0: Welcome to the Chosen Brew Beer Podcast. My name's Ian McNally, and this is the podcast where guests talk the way through the six beers that changed everything. In this episode, I'm talking with international comedian Nick Kappa. Welcome to those new listeners of the Chosen Brew Beer Podcast. If you are following Nick Kappa from Phone Hacks Podcast or the Little Dum Dum Club podcast, where Nick is undoubtedly a star of the last few years on that podcast. Which I have listened to since arriving in Australia in 2009. I think I started listening at episode 3 and now they're up to 500 episodes almost at the time of recording. So warm welcome if you're new to this podcast. Please expect lots of stories from Nick Capper about Nick Capper's world. What a joy it was to interview him and he knows quite a bit about beer. Let's get into it. All right, well, welcome to the Chosen Brew Beer Podcast, Nick Capper.
1: Hey, hey, how you going, mate? Very, so, very well, so, Nick.
0: <laughs> now you're the first um, professional comedian, yeah. Had, I suppose, presumably, some people in the. Previous guests have yeah. thought they were funny, but getting paid for it is very different, and you're in a nice situation that you actually get paid to make people laugh, don't you?
1: Yeah, well, I don't know, that could change uh, <laughs> due to current events.
0: So um, we'll, but, well, let's talk but, about that straight up, because yeah, yeah, we're recording yeah. this um, basically not 24 hours since the Melbourne International Comedy Festival, the second biggest comedy festival in the world, yeah, yeah. has been cancelled due to yeah. the COVID-19
1: coronavirus <laughs> yeah yeah man it was crazy we kind of thought it was coming but then also we thought oh maybe there's some loopholes because because you know a lot of people perform in small rooms and maybe that's maybe that'll be a loophole in it and but yeah like yesterday we just kind of given up the ghost it was like yeah we, we were just waiting for the news to and we're just basically seeing how they're going to handle it.
0: it it's safe to yeah. say that uh most comedians at the comedy festival would have less than 500 people in the room yeah oh man yeah exactly yeah i think my
1: my room was like 70 because you do 20 shows in a row so you know that's someone like me who's not that well known yeah it was it was um going to be a mission to fill that every night but it was looking pretty good (laughs) so it's devastating but yeah it's fine look i'm i'm fine with the situation i'm a lot of people there was uh, like, yeah, sure, it's most of my income, um, but also uh, a lot of people had invested a lot more. A lot of people come from overseas, a lot of people, you know, had printed everything off. I was lucky that I'm not that organised, so I hadn't printed <laughs> everything off. Yeah, yeah, a lot of people, you know, uh, run big venues and they, so they got the deposits from... From the comedians to run the venue, and then they uh, they spend all that money on equipment and things like that. So now they're in, yeah they're in the hole. You know, is there also a
0: bit of a sense of relief? I imagine for some people who hadn't quite got the shows together or, or oh, a man. bit uncertain about it.
1: Yeah, yeah, oh, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Carl Chandler from Dum Dum Club. He's like, man, I haven't I haven't fully rehearsed my show yet. So he was kind of fine with it. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah man i got I, the moment i heard the news um jack Drews and i another comic we went and went for a climb uh and then we just climbed about three different routes and then we we're all like we were just sat there and we we're like fuck it let's go get a beer you know <laughs> so we went straight to um straight to one of my favorite bars uh nighthawks have you been there no and, not yet um, man. it's it's the best bar it's fully rock and roll it's Real good, went straight there. Is that in the city? Um, no, no, just uh, here on Johnson Street. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah, nice. yeah, just in Collingwood. It's so good. Um, I'll take you there sometime. And uh, yeah, they had the filter XPA on tap, and I said, give me, give me two of those. <laughs> 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 it, it's kind of like an American style bar, so you can have a chase, like a little shot next to it as well. And I thought, I, you know what, I haven't done a, yeah, haven't done a boilermaker in a while. Why not? And we, have yeah, we just knocked down a boilermaker each. <laughs> <laughs>
0: it strikes me as well, like, kind of straight, having watched a lot of comedy over the years, mm. more disease outbreaks haven't happened in some of the rooms because they're often really well-packed together, very poor airflow, <laughs> very oh, warm, man. very hot. I mean, you must have had experiences where you're in rooms thinking, oh, I'm surprised we all get out alive, you know, lick yeah. the sweat off the wall.
1: <laughs> oh, man, yeah, exactly. Oh, And, and, and everyone gets festival flu, like... It, Everyone gets sick during the festival. Like, um, yeah, comics are always coughing, and they're all they're all partying. No one's looking after their health, so you get you get one little bug in, and you're you're weakest. No one's sleeping. Everyone's stressed, so everyone just gets sick. Like, and so I remember one time I was actually there's this uh, little comedy room, and it's underground underneath this bar, and I thought oh, I'll duck it into a spot. I was coming back from another gig, and um, it was you know around winter time in Melbourne, everyone was coughing. And uh, well, I went down below. There was like eight people in the audience, and uh, all the comics that got up were kind of all self-deprecating. Like you know, every now and then you get someone up eat, or yeah, you get. Some, but these guys were all self-deprecating, and all just like, yeah, my life's fucked. I'm I'm fat, and I'm lonely. I jerk off all the time, whatever. And so <laughs> it was just one after one, and that was just interrupted by people coughing. And this, in this in this underground mugger and I was just like, "Wow, this could easily be a scene from the Depression." Like, <laughs> yeah. like this is this is how, this is how my grandpa was operating, you know, during Churchill and stuff like that. <laughs> uh, it, it's kind of strange because, given
0: what's happened recently, that's almost like a window into the past, but also one into the future as yeah, well. Like, oh, yeah, you, yeah. You've seen both ways in one place. <laughs> that's that's what crazy. we're talking
1: about, like prohibition entertainment. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, <laughs> <laughs> so,
0: we're here to talk uh, about beer, but you mm-hmm. grew up in rural New South Wales, is that right?
1: Yeah, man, yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. I um, grew up in uh, Morey, uh well, in a town about an hour out of Moree called Boomoy. Uh, it's quite amazing to me that
0: you say i grew up in this place well an hour outside i mean you do that really in rural australia in in britain you drive an hour you get wet it's like you you have to the distance it's quite hard to comprehend
1: it's so funny because yeah it's like it's cool you're from england because i remember i first went to england i got off at heathrow and my cousin lived in southampton and um i just went to this ticket booth and i said hey mate can i get a ticket to southampton where can i and the ticket guy looked at me and he said mate southampton that's in the middle of fucking nowhere (laughs) and i said how far is it away and he's like oh like three and a half hours (laughs) something like that And i was like oh man that's that's what my mum drives to go to the shops (laughs) so yeah man it was it long my parents um they live they've moved to another place um and it's uh fuck i forgot the name of it <laughs> it's just an hour out of tenderfield anyway um and yeah still they drive three or four hours to just go to a party wow hour to drive back and i'm not talking scenic like <laughs> the most boring <laughs> drive ever and their cd player doesn't work and i've been trying to get them on the podcast because i'm like oh the time i don't know what they're no wonder they're insane you know, <laughs> they actually have to talk to each other. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the
0: thought of that is <laughs> so awful. Um, tell us a little bit about, um, you know, what the drinking culture was like growing up. Because in in those rural towns, alcohol does play a a, a kind of a positive part, but there's also a negative part that it plays but it is a central part as well. Is like the consumption of alcohol, but those remote distances definitely, um, you know, impact upon people, the way people drink and what they drink, the availability. What was it like growing up in there and, and what were you drinking? When did you start drinking,
1: become aware of alcohol? Um, yeah, man. What I, um, I I didn't really. I was more of a kind of a bit of a. I wasn't a nerd kid, but I was into video games and I was into art and things like that. And this, I this is a safe space, Nick. Yeah, 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 it's yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah. Shh, don't, I'm in a pub.
0: It's it's a craft beer <laughs> podcast. Nerds <laughs> yeah. are, f- are welcome. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but
1: yeah, but I was an anomaly, and I um because I didn't want to drink. I was I didn't uh, I didn't like drinking. I I couldn't stand the taste of beer or anything like that, and it just didn't seem appealing to me, that kind of blokey-type culture. Um, you know, I I was in a small town, but really I didn't like uh, being there. You know, I wanted to go to the big city and all that. But, um, yeah, the, the drinking culture, yeah, everyone had a beer. My dad would always walk through the door, he'd have two or three beers, and then maybe a glass of wine. You know, after working like a 12, 14 hour day, he'd have a small packet of chips, you know, those little, I don't know, those party packets, you'd have one of those, and um, that's what you just grew up around, and and your dad would tell you to go get a beer from the fridge, you know, we always had, we had a big um, eight-bedroom house on the farm, so you used to run to the deepest, darkest back of the house, where it was so spooky, and get dad (laughs) a beer from the fridge, you know what I mean? And yeah, mum used to drink uh, Moselle uh, out of the cask, you know, and yeah, so it was cool, It it was a weird time, because I often look back on those times, and go... Like the pub, the local pub, uh, yeah, Bumai was – it was just – you just went there and you didn't have any spe- specific drink. You would just get 4X Gold or Tui's New or Forex or or VB. That was it. And I remember mum would always complain about the wine there, that it, the wine was terrible, that, you know, it was like basically vinegar. Like the guy had no interest in wine whatsoever. But you still drank there, which is so weird. You know what I mean? Like, well, you're captive, yeah, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. not like you can go to Nighthawks over the streets. Yeah, no, that's you know. it. Yeah, you are captive. But I thought, I thought, my, I thought, mum, at least switch to another drink or whatever. You know what I mean? And rum and coke was big, like mixing drinks, mixes. It's still big out there. So it was weird for me. Um, and then I started, I went to boarding school and we used to have these big school dances. And around 16, somehow. Somehow someone, you know, everyone started drinking and I guess um, someone said, oh, do you want to go halves in a cask of wine? And, uh, yeah, we got a cask and went to the school dance and got absolutely ratchet, you know. And that was kind of the start, the start of, of drinking. Um, yeah, it was, I think I yeah, I mostly drank to get pissed. I remember I always talk about it with my mates is um, is looking at the beer when it was like he'd <laughs> taken a few sips like oh still got that amount to go you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah you were enjoying it rather yeah, than enjoying yeah, yeah. it um boarding
0: school as well i mean yeah. in the in the uk if you go to boarding only the very elite people go to boarding school yeah that's not the case is it i'm not not, not saying you no no, no no people. no 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 <laughs> Yeah. Oh, no, definitely not.
1: Um, yeah, my boarding school was weird. Because out in the country, everyone goes to boarding school, and you get like an isolation allowance or – I don't know. Is that, is
0: that what it's called, an isolation allowance? Um, something like that's, that. That's amazing. Like,
1: like a scholarship, you know, if you, the more isolated you are, then you get – but, yeah, I because of that, I went to a public boarding school, which was the weirdest fucking school on the planet. It was, <laughs> it was an agricultural school. <laughs> and yeah so we had a farm joined onto it and it was cheaper for my mum and dad to send me there and have me at home it was like three grand a year or something it was crazy <laughs> it's actually get you yeah, out of yeah, yeah. yeah you could... so it was a weirder school yeah it wasn't academic at all it was just basically where farmers sent their sons to just go and yeah you would yeah it was very loose very loose it wasn't very academic it was pretty sport based as well but um yeah it was it was it was crazy it was a crazy time and um but i i, sh- I could have gone to one in sydney or somewhere but I, I was too far away it was like 10 hours and it was very expensive to do that you know but most kids from the country are, are pretty smart because you know you have one-on-one with the teachers there's only like 25 kids in my primary school so you can usually get a scholarship you know i got a pretty good scholarship i was pretty smart when i first went to high school and then that was removed later on (laughs) (laughs) your intelligence was diluted out by more people yeah 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 Yeah, yeah, man so yeah that's that's when it kind of and it was cool in year 11 because our school was pretty laid back that once once or twice a term you'd go out on this thing called night leave and uh on a saturday night the the uh the uh, the bus would take you into town And they would drop you off around 6 o'clock And then they'd either pick you up at midnight Or you'd have to make your own way back And as long as you were You'd have to come back and sign in And as long as you weren't total As long as you could write your name Then you were fine <laughs> So yeah the teachers would turn a blind eye But if you're absolutely blind And just going all over the place Yeah yeah Um I think one guy told the t- one of the teachers to cook him a fucking steak, <laughs> which was pretty funny, <laughs> but wasn't well received, presumably <laughs> no way yeah
0: he was he was a folklore legend. <laughs> it, it, it almost sounds like your boarding school was run on like the basis of what bed and breakfast in the UK are by like yeah, they yeah. do they lock the door at yeah. ten o'clock yeah. you have to sign in and out and
1: it, and you're paying for that as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it, it was a bed be... and breakfast for kids. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah man, there was this like there was this nightclub called um I don't know, and that that was kind of it's cool I, I kinda like society a bit better now because you can be like a ripped person, like go to, to the gym and train and not have an interest in drinking. And you can just meet someone on Tinder or you can make friends online through video games, but in my like out in the country that you just went to the pub like that's it like that's where you go. you don't you know now it's changed, but I thought to be a man. You had to, you know, back then people smoked in bars, so you would, this is my entrance into being a man, you fucking play the pokies, you know, they kind of have this unwritten law that you have about four or five beers or six beers before you have a spirit, you know what I mean, like, it's kind of weird, isn't it? You'd never get in the spirit straight away. I remember spirits were more expensive back then. But yeah. yeah, I remember time I bought a Kalura milk and fuck, I got this, got strips torn off me by my <laughs> man. <laughs>
0: but it is, it is the case in Australia. Very. And you look back at yeah. the advertising of alcohol in Australia. Mm. It's so masculine. So yeah. macho. Like I'm from the north of England. I'm from yeah. an industrial town in the north of England. Yeah. It's not exactly the most like yeah, <laughs> you yeah, know yeah. laid back, do whatever yeah, yeah. you want place. Yeah. But coming to Australia, it's like, it is, you get the sense of like, you know, being a real man. It's all of these boundaries are very well defined. Yeah. And only amplified
1: in the in rural settings. Man, exactly. Oh man, it was, it was Mad Max out in the country, you know, like, yeah, I went to Sydney for a bit, um, worked as a graphic designer for a while and I remember coming back and just, it was, look, everyone's got a lot of money because you work 12 hours a day, you know, Six uh, probably seven days a week, just constantly for like four months, you know, and then you just have all of this money and you can just cut loose. Like we were just buying, you know, Bundy and Coke premixed in a can was was so expensive to buy a carton, and I remember just buying couple of cartons of that just thinking i was a king you know crown lager (laughs) yeah crown lager we just had yeah a lot of a lot of drinking and driving a lot of it's it it is like mad max we get drunk and we had this big airstrip um where the where the spray planes used to land and i had a i had a ford falcon eb and it was just a straight six but man it used to used to bloody haul and we just used to fly down this airstrip as fast as we could while we're all drunk thing once once it got to the gravel, you would just rip the wheel, and just spin all the way down the the airstrip, you know. Uh, and does this fall this this little story here? Does
0: this fall into the positive or negative side of alcohol in the country? Oh man, it was it <laughs> was it, it wild. does actually sound like yeah. a lot of fun. But oh like, man, yeah. If, if that was my children doing that, <laughs> oh, you exactly. get very nervous. Oh,
1: well, that's the thing that was so crazy because you know my old man. I mean, he moved from Zambia to be a farmer, and all of his farming mates or whatever they tell you wilder stories. Like absolutely, like it was nothing compared to what, to what he did. You know, <laughs> and because like I think I was I tried to make a joke about it once that I'd tell my dad a wild story. Like last night we got blind and we drove down, and he just he didn't seem he never really gave me too much of a response. And I couldn't work out whether he was whether he was disappointed or he was just unimpressed. Like, who cares? Like, <laughs> I was wilder than that. Like you, you think you're a big man. <laughs>
0: Love the idea that you've let your father down by not being wilder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah,
1: yeah. You know. <laughs> yeah, it was it was cool, man. It was uh it was a great great way to grow up. But yeah, it is there is a lot of negatives. A lot of people but I don't know it was it was just crazy just how people um survived out there, you know, like just because you always drink and drive and yeah
0: and it, yeah. it's also if you don't yeah. know any difference I mean yeah. it's just your reality and you mm-hmm. you you haven't got any influences from outside forces necessarily because so you don't know how how to do it any other way there's no different role model or anything like that so,
1: exactly yeah and you've got such resilience out there you just get everything thrown at you the power can go out at any time or it can rain or it can't rain or you get a dust storm or you got to drive long distances so you just everything becomes a bit of a laugh like there's just so much disasters that happen out there you know your tractor can just I don't know. Split in half one day or something. You just go, "What the?" F-? And everyone's just standing around laughing, like you know what I mean. <laughs> like this is the worst day of anyone's life, you know. Like, uh, but everyone just has a laugh about things. I remember my dad. He was coming back from the pub. Him and another guy, and they there's these big reservoirs on the cotton farm, huge dams, you know, about up about like the walls are about three or four meters high, probably probably bigger. And you'd go up these big ramps to drive along the the top of them. And he was that drunk one time. He missed the ramp to go up the dam, and it just was like a jump. Like, he just spun off the side of this reservoir, him and another guy. And the car landed on the roof, but it was in a du- another channel. And lucky the channel had no water in it, because they both would have drowned. Um, but it had this silt in it, so the roof didn't compress. And, yeah, he, 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 the, him and the other guy just climbed out. So they were sunk in the mud. They had to dig themselves out of the, the mud. And then they walked like five, ten Ks or whatever to this party where we we're all at and just went and got a beer. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the thing. My dad wasn't even a wild man. You know what I mean? Like he was a wild man, but not compared to the other guys. You know what I mean? He was kind of like a dark horse, you know? And that's that's you just laugh that shit off. Oh, yeah, all right, buddy. My uncle one time came out and he... He hit a kangaroo and it ruined his, ruined his bull bar. You know, he had this beautiful um, Prado. He loved his, he, and it put him in a bad mood. He fucking hated it. And my dad just got a chain, tied it to the bull bar of the car, tied it to the tr- to a tree, and then just gradually pulled it back into shape. <laughs> and my, my uncle's friends thought it was the most insane thing they've ever seen in their whole life. <laughs> It's, it's that problem solving, though, isn't it?
0: Because in the in the city, yeah. you there's lots of people to do that job for you. You mm-hmm. hire somebody, to, but you, you've got no alternative. You can't go to A and E. You can't go to the local uh, yeah. mechanics. You can't. Yeah.
1: You just got a problem solve. Oh just, yeah,
0: which does make people smart. Oh man, yeah,
1: yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, the my yeah. Um, sorry to harp on about my dad, but whenever we get a little little bit of packaging or like a rubber thing would come with something, Dad's like, save that. He had a shed full of that stuff, and you never know when. Sometimes, when you when you broke a spray or a hose, or you need a little bit of rubber in some kind of joint, Dad would go, "Oh yeah, I think I've got the thing for that," and you know he'd fix it up. You know, <laughs> it's, it's <laughs> unreal. Well, let's um, let's see. We're here to talk through the six yeah.
0: beers that changed everything. Uh, can I just uh, before we start on that this journey? Yeah. Um, when was the first time you kind of drank beer and liked it?
1: Yeah, I was thinking about, like, this is such a good idea for a podcast, man, because it does make you think about your history, and I've been thinking about it the last couple of days, um, and there's some things you miss or whatever, but I always remember the first time I enjoyed beer, and it was when we went on an excursion to North Queensland, and once again, they let us out on night leave uh, on these excursions. <laughs> These these teachers are loose. What are they doing while you're all, all out? Oh man, one there was a guy, there was our year counselor who he was on the bus once and he would tell us the history of each town when he went through it and he was the most boring guy and it was annoying. And then someone just goes one of the one time he was talking about some town charters towers or somewhere and one of our mates just goes, oh, like that. And, he, and then the teacher just fucking lost it. And he goes, we are not here to just get fucking pissed. We're here to learn. <laughs>
0: and that got everyone on side. Is that, <laughs> and, uh, that, that is school motto. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but in Latin. <laughs> <laughs> and I think it was
1: at Charters Towers, man. That everyone drank, my dad drank Forex Gold. Everyone drank Forex Gold. All the dads, they all drank Forex Gold. And, but you would be seen as a, as a buddy, as a wimp, if you drank mid-strength, that was, so I got 4X, we got a carton of 4X, I think it was in Charters Towers, yeah, it was there, not far north Queensland, on this excursion, me and four mates, and we sat under a bridge, and we drank these beers, and that's, I drank this 4X beer, and it was so good, it was like so sweet, and yeah, that was, that was, that's the first beer I'm nominating, I think, like 4X, 4X Gold, um Perfect. yeah, yeah, it was just... Because I had Forex and then I I would drink Forex whenever I got to Queensland. And when I when I lived in Sydney for a bit, I had a mate from Brisbane and we'd order it into the local bottle shop. <laughs> this was in like 2000s, you know. <laughs> and so when you had that beer that I presume like
0: the beer is very well matched to its setting as well, and then it's in the climate. Yeah. And presumably that was influential in it being a very memorable like day or beer that because yeah. of your friends and the setting and things like that. Is that yeah, is that true to say?
1: That was the first time I'd stopped watch, stop watching the beers, stopped watching how much I drank. It was, it just seemed to flow down, and it was nice. You know, it was good, and I, I enjoyed it. You know, um, so yeah, that that kind of became my my staple beer forex. You know, and then I didn't really have an interest in beer. I drank you mostly drank Tuis new back then. Um, which is a weird point. I don't I'd like to hear your opinion on this man because now I go back out to the country or I go to suburban towns, you know, to tour a lot of regional towns and things like that. And I thought you wouldn't be able to move anyone's pallets from Forex or to his new uh Han what's well, not Han, um is it Han Premium Light? Yeah. Yeah, my something. dad used to drink that. And there was um Sorry, what's the other one? To his new VB, Forex, whatever. Yeah. But now everyone's drinking Great Northern or Iron Jack. Yeah. And I think it's because that you couldn't tell any difference between these lagers if you're blindfolded. But the companies must just go, all right, we're going to invade this town, give cheap taps to all the pubs, you know, for the first year, put advertising everywhere, and then people just start drinking it. It's so weird. It's such a weird model that's not based on taste at all. It's, it's just marketing. It is a really interesting case study. If you yeah, actually,
0: yeah. Uh, you know, people have just switched off now. When, when you say the sentence, this is a really interesting case study. Yeah, yeah. Just like... yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, guys. <laughs> yeah. Sorry to ruin your podcast.
1: And I'm the comedian. I should be funny. You know what I mean? But <laughs> I've, got a, I've got a genuine interest in these things. That was my fault. Yeah. Um,
0: so if you look at all of the mainstream lagers that have ever been advertised or that are still being advertised now, they're never advertised on flavor. If you think Corona, yeah, is a yeah. place you'd rather be. Yeah, uh, yeah. VB, Hard and Thirst. Yeah yeah, uh, yeah, 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 The A lot of beers are, you know, this is cold. This is... It's Yeah, it's like, <laughs> it's, so sol- it's sold on its temperature. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, you can make anything cold. Yeah. <laughs> you can put a pool table yeah, in the fridge. Yeah. <laughs> doesn't make it good. But <laughs> yeah. um, you've got uh, all of those beers, and, and you think of um, even even Guinness, like, which it has got a, a more tasty more um you know com- yeah. complex flavor to an extent that's not marketed on taste either yeah so it's a it's a really curious thing that you have the biggest selling products are never marketed on flavor yeah and so, so when would. you and when you have like the rejuvenation of things like um you know, when Forex starts to struggle or... Because people are drinking less beer overall in yeah. Australia. Beer consumption's down. Ah, Craft beer consumption's
1: up yeah, yeah, yeah. a third yeah. year on yeah. year.
0: So it's a real challenge for these, these big companies to... Um, how do they compete against people who aren't drinking beer anymore? Yeah. Well, you kind of make a similar beer and just rebrand it like Iron Jack. And then, well, Iron Jack actually came after um, the success of Great Northern.
1: Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, And yeah, then you yeah. see
0: uh, Furphy came out in Victoria. And then on the back of that, the Ma- Matilda Bay uh, Frothies.
1: Ah, uh, yeah. They,
0: they came out to try and ride on the back of the success of Furphy. Yeah. You know, and it, but also there's the... You know the whole point of like Furphy is sold on the fact that it's all Victorian ingredients. You know we're a, a little small brewery, just you know trying to you know. Oh do man, to, you know, exactly. And it's
1: obviously owned by a conglomerate. And um, that is the look. I don't know if you're responsible by them, but Furphy is the worst fucking beer on the planet. <laughs> it is so terrible. <laughs> it is no, the worst <laughs> beer ever. And and it is it is prime. It is a prime um, example of that. Is It, it is everywhere. Everywhere, they just put it yeah. everywhere, and it's cool now because I can spot it now. Like that two Sons one mm. from um, Asai, that that'll be the next. They'll just they'll just pump that to every pub ever. The the only possible run on
0: for, for regional towns and and harder to reach places with these uh, lengthy tap yeah. contracts that the big yeah. companies roll out is that when they do take over Bolter or they yeah. take over Four Pines or they take over uh, whoever else there is the off chance that you're growing up in a regional town and you might be able to get a bolter.
1: Yeah, yeah. Which is quite extraordinary. It's great. Yeah, Yeah, someone said that to me. I forget who said it. I think, it, it, um, yeah, that's one of the guys who works at McCoppen's uh, Bolo. uh It's right near my house. And I just go there all the time and talk beers with them all the time. And, yeah, they said it's cool because, yeah, bolter will be in... You know, imagine going to Buddy Boomer and getting an XBA. You know, that's so good. You know, I, I love that. Yeah.
0: And so, as much as we kind of bemoan the takeovers and they do have a lot of negative um, yeah, you know, runoffs. Yeah. But we're very lucky, obviously, in, in metropolitan Melbourne <laughs> to have, you know, to be upset when we go to a bar and they've only got five taps on <laughs> or they've only got 10 yeah, taps yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. Of different independently owned craft beers, it uh, puts it in perspective.
1: Yeah, it's still cool to like, even though they're owned by a big company, like I like Kosciuszko, you know, like it's a nice mm. beer and uh, it's nice to be able to get one, you know, in in a place that doesn't usually have a pale ale available, you know, or mm. Stone & Wood as well, which is one of the best beers ever. In, you know, yeah. it is so good. And to be able to go to, my my Nana lives on the sunny coast, to be able to go there and get Stone & Wood on tap is so good. <laughs> yeah, sensational beer.
0: Um, choice two?
1: Oh, yeah, choice two. Now, um, choice two would be uh, Cooper's Parallel because it was a weird – the the steps to to me drinking craft beer was so weird because I would only drink 4X or whatever, and then everyone drank Tui's Extra Dry. That was the big that, – that was what all the young people drank. They even had Tui's Extra Dry Platinum. Uh, which you, you've probably heard me talk about before on the Little Dum Dum Club podcast, are so like 8% or something. Ridiculous. And you would just get a hangover four hours later from drinking. You would you would go to sleep and just sit up out of your bed with a dry mouth going, what did I do with my life?
0: <laughs> it's such a, a strange idea that yeah. you'd have a standard beer and yeah. you'd just kind of double the percentage volume and call it platinum as oh, though, you, as though like you'd won a prize. Yeah, and they didn't
1: come in a... Uh, six-pack? They came in an eight-pack. <laughs> well, that, it's, it's madness. Like, they should have been put in jail because you would get so loose on these beers. And anyway, so then I remember Tui's Extra Dry came on tap, and we thought we were so cool. And it was very limited to find Tui's Extra Dry on tap. And then you would have – every now and then you'd have a mate that was a bit rock and roll, a bit of a crazy – you know, a real, uh, it was always a music rock and roll guy. It was never, a, would always pull out a bloody Cooper's Pale Ale, you know. And uh, so my brother and I were into rock music and things like that. And then we saw people, and I had Cooper's Pale Ale, and it was so good. It was so good. And if you really wanted to write yourself off, you'd get a Cooper's Sparkling Ale that was like 6 or 7%, and it would destroy you. But it tasted, and I remember we, um, my brother and I drove from East Coast to West Coast. It took us like four days in our, you know. Sisters Daihatsu Charade. <laughs> and uh, it was so good. I think we got to Port Augusta or somewhere, you know, around South Australia, and Cooper's Palo was on tap. And it was so good. We couldn't believe it. We, and it was cheap. It was so expensive, Cooper's Palo. And you roll the beer and, ah, oh, it was such a, such a great beer. I, I don't know if, if they've changed the flavor now or beers just got better, but I, I think it's lost its touch a little bit. But uh, I recently did uh, Adelaide Fringe and it was um yeah it was cool to to have it again you know on tap there they've got all four taps and they're all different types of Coopers it's I mean it is family-owned which is cool but also I think yeah the whole Liberal Party thing wasn't (laughs) wasn't well received but in Adelaide they don't give a fuck (laughs) it's still in all (laughs) the rock and roll venues they're like who cares you know
0: (laughs) yeah it's actually a beer that is really um being associated with all those I remember even going the Espy on the yeah, it's yeah. the old um the old Espy. Yeah. Um and being able to get Coopers on and and then even, you know, the tote or you go yeah. to any other places you, you could get Coopers. And then obviously yeah, the, the Liberal Party, the the gay marriage uh plebiscite, all this type of things. And also yeah. they released yeah. the beer for the Bible uh, society or Bible really? association. They re- released the oh. slab with Bible verses on the side. Which it, fair enough, have their your yeah. own your own own view, but yeah. maybe don't mix that with your business. It's such a weird, it
1: it's so weird though, they went there because I used to buy all the Australian heavy metal magazines, things like that, and they'd always have big Coopers ads on the back. Um, the artwork was, I thought they were an American brand because the artwork was so cool. You know, the Cooper's logo, mm. it looks like an American type beer or something, but it was made in Australia and the artwork on the label is cool and they had those weird bottles. It was, just had everything going for it. And I think a lot of people, like a lot of craft beers, probably owe Cooper's Parallel for being a real tra- trendsetter. You know, well, yeah. it would have been such a big risk. It was craft, It was craft before craft existed yeah. really and yeah it's too bad they've gone a bit wayward that way but anyway it's but <laughs> but it was cool back then it was so good you know everyone rock and roll was they were drinking it you know and yeah so yeah that's when i first kind of became yeah interested in in those kind of beers because i noticed that the other beers didn't taste good compared to it you know you get it i think i stopped drinking two his new or whatever or other beers because
0: yeah there's something to be said for that, yeah.
1: um, the purity
0: of the Coopers, yeah. no preservatives, no additives, it's live yeast in a bottle, still bottle conditioned a- and amazing that they managed to um, brew at the quality that they have and the volume and distribution as well has been extraordinary. They've managed to get it all across Australia yeah, for so many years and um, yeah, so much to admire yeah, yeah. about it. Um,
1: and uh, I think they only use two yeast strains in a whole brewery. Really? That's extraordinary. extraordinary. Um, so... Because the Sessionel is good now. The new ones, they're real good as well. I like those. Mm-hmm. And the XPA is good. Um, I mean, they're not, nothing amazing, you know, but still uh, it's nice to go to Adelaide and just be able to yeah, drink all of those.
0: Yeah, it's going <laughs> to yeah. be
1: actually a really interesting
0: um, challenge for Coopers to how they sustain themselves in yeah. um, a market which changes so quickly. I mean, do they just stay traditional? Yeah, that's what they're really good at. And just yeah. and just hope the the wave goes and they'll still be there like they've yeah.
1: been for years before. So Adelaide is so, yeah. so cool cuz they just have so much. I had this ice cream giant twins and um it's so good. It's like a chocolate wedge without a a, a stick in it. A, you know, it's just like a big ice cream bar. Just weird shit like that. You don't <laughs> see anywhere fruit chocks. <laughs> no. You don't see there's like this um lolly that's like fruit with chocolate around it. You don't see that anywhere else in Australia. And Adelaide's just so good at creating cult. They, 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 I think they've got the real community feel and they create their own shit. And it just stays in Adelaide. Yeah, they just keep it for themselves. Uh, it's so weird, <laughs> you know? And it's so cool because you think Tasmania would do something like that, but no, they don't, you know? Yeah. Um, choice three. Choice three. Um, now, I this one's a bit weird. I, I, um, I went overseas and I... You know, I I would basically drink to get pissed till I was... Even though I liked Cooper's Palo and stuff. I basically drink, yeah, to get pissed till I was like, I don't know, 23 or 24, something like that. 20, and I got a job in England um, at this bar. And it was like real weird place in, in uh, Wokingham. Yeah, it was just near uh, Twyford. I don't know, this place there. And they have those weird things. I don't know whether they have them anymore. Just five-star eating houses in the middle of fucking nowhere. <laughs> yeah. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, like yeah. just in the middle of nowhere. Like a Michelin star restaurant or something just... Yeah, In the countryside. Yeah, yeah, and I got a job there, and all the rich people would drive their Mercs and their Ferraris there, and they'd all talk. Hey, we're the lads. We fly to Eastern Europe on the weekends and cheer on our wives, and we fly back. You know, those kind of rich yeah. businessmen, no, nice people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Salt of the earth. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and that's where I. That's when I started drinking well, um, beers because I liked them. Because craft beer still wasn't around then. Um, but I had a great boss who would tell me all about the beers. And, um, so that's why I was going to nominate, um, innocent gun. And he, it was very expensive. And he said, if you sell one, you get one, I think, or it might've been, if you sell two, you get one. I don't know, but it was brewed in the gym beam, like in bourbon barrels. And it was so, it was the first time I'd like had a beer and go, Oh wow. You know, this is awesome. And um, it was frustrating to work in the pub because, you know, um, a lot of Brits, as you know, very straight. They don't go off any. So everyone would walk in and go, um, yeah, point of Stella, thanks. And you go, we don't have Stella. Mm. And, and you'd have to the, – the, the, the only thing we had closest to Stella was like – I forget what it was called – some Dutch beer or something like that. Amstel. Yeah, Amstel. Yeah. That's it. That's it.
0: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Amstel. So S- see how diverse the choices in
1: oh, Britain man. that I was able to nail it first. Go. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. So, but I, I loved the beers. The guy, the boss, he told me all about the history of the beers, and yeah. So the Innocent Gun was so good, but then he also showed me uh, Star um, Primen, mm. which was a great German beer. Paulaner was so nice. It was. I was like, "Wow, these beers all—they have all got their own flavors, and they taste so fucking good." And they've got the uh, the glasses that match the beer. It's got to go in that beer, you know. And there was like um, Erdinger, which was really hard to pour because it had this, you know, had to have the big head on it. It was a Weiss beer that was so good. Erdinger was was great. So that's when I started drinking for the uh, just for the pleasure of and not having to get pissed. And really enjoy the beer, like you know. Yeah, and uh, Innocent Gun was such a treat. Whenever I sold a few, the boss would let me take a few home. And I just wanted to get the word out there, you know. And, um, yeah, he taught taught me about wines and things as well. I still don't know too much about wines, but, like, weird ones like uh, Viognier. I'd never heard of a Viognier, and it was so nice. And I impressed my girlfriend the other day because I, yeah, I got a Viognier. <laughs> and she's like, I've never heard of this before, and it was so good, you know. Yeah, so, yeah. Innocent Gun, it's...
0: Uh it's a brewery just outside Edinburgh. Uh right. it's um yeah they they age the beer in bourbon casks and it just took on this real like vanilla. There was a lot I remember a lot oh, kind man. of honey vanilla flavors. It's almost like drinking ice cream. It was like so but it was quite boozy as well. I think it yeah. was like over 6% yeah. or something and but just something really to sip on and perfect as well for a, for an English winter. I mean, a great beer just to warm up and, and settle on and sit into. And then, like, as you say, the Czech and like Staropramen and Paul Einer, um, yeah, and the different Weiss beers. Oh, man. And the theatre as well, obviously, if you're working in a oh, nice place. Staropramen with... was Czech, wasn't yeah, it? Did I say it was but, German? Yeah. It, 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 it was German uh, for a small time in the ni- <laughs> yeah. early 1940s, yeah. late, late 1930s. So... Um, yeah, and pouring the into of ours. I mean, amazing, oh, so good,
1: man. It was but
0: hard to watch those glasses. Oh, it was you so get annoying. Your hand in. Yeah,
1: yeah, and you, you, you know, and the boss was vigilant about. It. They have to be in these beers. No one, in, no one out there gave a fuck. <laughs> <laughs> they were just British dudes wearing fucking yeah. whatever rod and gun clothes yeah. tucked in, and they only wanted yeah. to talk down you as well. You know what I mean? Like you yeah. don't. So that's why I had to get good at uh, it because yeah. they. The rich people, where they would want to really talk down to you, or man, yeah, yeah. There,
0: there can't be more worse rich people in the world than British rich people. <laughs> oh man, yeah, <laughs> but it's it was like, people saying, "I don't want any of that
1: foreign mucks. Just give me a uh, Stella." Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> But it was cool because once you won their respect, they like. I remember because um, I think I think I had an innocent gun. A While back, I think I found one in a down Dan Murphy's or something, and I had it, and it was good, it was real good, but it was not as good as I remember it. And I think it was because with all the craft beers now and alcohol being so good, you our palates are, um, our, you know, they, they're they more sensitive, mm. whereas last I'm sorry, less sensitive, whereas or broader, the yeah, broader, broader so yeah, yeah, you,
0: you, yeah, you, your taste change, but also the fact yeah. that probably i'm not singling out uh, that particular seller of beer but you might yeah. have had to blow the dust off oh, the man uh, you know <laughs> yeah. The, the beer. yeah yeah uh, it's just it, that that's a beer that definitely doesn't sit in the exciting category or like the shiny no. new category so it's very easy to overlook but i think definitely it's worth revisiting a beer like that just to, oh, man just to touch base and see uh how it's traveling
1: it was so good um Yeah, and then, then, yeah, I got a real taste for beers then. You know, a real, I would go into London and and I remember um, it was a weird time because Sailor Jerry's was around then and you could just buy it in the supermarket, but it wasn't available in Australia. So my palate must have been more susceptible. I don't know whether the vanilla was stronger back then, but now I can't really taste the vanilla in it. But I remember back then I would just get a bowl of Sailor Jerry's and one of those big Polish sausages (laughs) on my day off. And I would just walk around these shit towns in England <laughs> drinking S- Sailor Jerry's like mixed in this in a Coke bottle, you know what I mean? Eating a big Polish sausage and just loving every minute of it. I remember one of the the girl, or the millionaire guys who drank at the pub came and picked me up and um no, he didn't pick me up. He just saw me walking down the road and he's like, Hey mate, jump in, you know? And I was trying to hide my breath and it was like two in the afternoon and I was <laughs> I was drunk, I had this big sausage in my hand, and he drove me to Slough, where they filmed The Office. Yeah. yeah, yeah <laughs> he just yeah, dropped me off in yeah, Slough. No, no. And I was like, wow, Slough I took a photo. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. I was I was drunk with this big sausage. God, I must look like a disgrace. <laughs> oh, it was so funny. Best day, yo. <laughs> <laughs>
0: so, Nick, despite the fact that the Melbourne International Comedy Festival has been... Cancelled. Yeah. It even it pains me to say it, but you, you have been taking your show around Australia up to this because Melbourne, is, for, in many respects, is kind of a full stop or at least the um, end of a paragraph for comedians because they have been touring a show in the run up. So tell us a little bit about how that's been going.
1: Yeah, man. Um, yeah, I did this uh, as part of the Little Dum Dum podcast. I did I travel around Australia in a tux- I travel around the world in a tuxedo. They had to do a show in London. And so
0: so so hold on you this is another podcast called The Little Dum Dum Club which yeah. has been going since about 2009. Yeah. With, uh, Tommy Daslow and Carl Chandler. Yeah. Comedy podcast and as part of it you got roped into traveling around the world to a potentially to a gig in or a couple of gigs in Europe. Yeah. And but the rule was is that you had to make all of that travel in a tuxedo.
1: Yes, nonstop. Within, yeah. Top hats, with a um, bow tie. yeah. I had bow tie tails uh, and, and makeup. Yeah, makeup. <laughs> yeah, I got. I, um, yeah, you could pay fifty bucks and give me missions. And uh, my great friend Brett Blake uh, paid fifty dollars, but I had to wear makeup the whole time. <laughs> so yeah, it was it was uh, it was crazy. It was very testing. But, yeah, it was a fun trip, you know. Yeah, going through Serbia, and I did a gig in Serbia. <laughs> Never thought I'd ever go to Serbia, yeah. But, yeah, I went through, what, nine different countries. So, um, And then we tried to kind of do trans- weird transport arrangements as well. So, like, I flew to Kuala Lumpur, and then I flew to uh, Shanghai, got a taxi in Shanghai for an hour to Shanghai train station, then got a train to Beijing, then flew from Beijing to... Um, to, to uh, Poland and then flew from there to Serbia, and, and actually, all in a tuxedo, all in like, a tuxedo, all of it, and the uh, whole time. So yeah. I'm
0: presuming, you know, being a, being, I know how wealthy comedians are. Oh man, you would have had uh, five or six different tuxedos to choose from.
1: Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, no, uh, <laughs> I left, I left, I left my whole wardrobe of tuxedos at home. Uh, <laughs> I left them with my butler. <laughs> so I'll just take the wine, I'll travel like, yeah, but yeah, it stunk, man. You know, you know when someone homeless. Not only do they stink; that the air is thick around them. That was that was what I was like. Yeah, yeah, man. So yeah. really,
0: we should. I, I mean, I was going to praise you for this wonderful uh, effort. Yeah. But part of me actually thinks I should praise the people who sat next to you. Uh, in, oh man! In those confined spaces.
1: And a lot of it, like, I was just ruined by um, day four or something. You know, it took me like four or five days. Or day three, I was even ruined, actually. So I'd have, so this stinky guy would sit next to them, wearing a tuxedo, with tails, makeup. And sometimes people would want to talk to me. And I was that ruined, I couldn't really talk. Like, I'd fall <laughs> asleep, or I'd be drunk, or <laughs> yeah, something like that. And it was just horror for them. Because I seemed antisocial. Like, I didn't see myself. I was tired of being on the road. You know what I mean? So, yeah, yeah, I praise all of those people that sat next to me, yeah.
0: And how were you received, you know, because it's it, it seems like a, a silly thing that, Mm-mm. you know, just wearing some different clothes would provoke reactions in people, but were you treated differently or people look at you differently because
1: you Yeah, people were, were definitely a bit afraid of me, yeah. yeah afraid? Yeah, 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 was yeah, that, that, that the was... overriding emotion was fear? Yeah, yeah I think so, yeah. <laughs> people were like, what the... F- you know, I don't know. It's so weird because if you're carrying a gun down the street or something, like a big assault rifle, people are kind of like, well, there must be a reason why he's carrying that. You know, he's not firing any shots. He must be some kind of... Um, but you, when you're in a tuxedo, people are like, w- why would someone do this? Why does he have... It? You know what I mean? What's gone so wrong in uh, yeah, their life? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. What? So I've just better stay away from him. Like, he looks more dangerous than carrying a gun. You know, <laughs> it, Just this guy sitting there. Um, yeah, so it was... I, I did another one from uh, Melbourne to Newcastle, just the worst way possible. So buses, trains, I got a lift with somebody. I drove a tractor for part of the way and <laughs> I, I even rode a motorbike for three hours. And I thought that because I'm from the country, I thought, you know, people can be so scrutinizing and so judgmental out there that it would be awful. But the in in the European one, there's like a um, there's a language barrier. And you are in a foreign place. So that's kind of enough. So people do come up to you sometimes, ask you, are you you a composer in China? (laughs) In China, people kept asking me if I was an artist, you know. And um, so you have that. But when I went to Australia, the trip was actually just as exciting and just as crazy because people in the country do want to talk to you. They're very friendly, but they just want a reason. And so that reason is the tuxedo. I walked into this food court in Griffith in this small town. And the whole food court stopped, like the whole shopping centre just stopped. And, you know, you think you think the worst of people, but after a breathing, you know, a bit of breathing area, it was like five minutes, everyone just came up to me, hey mate, what are you doing? They loved it, everyone loved it. And old people love it because they're like, finally, someone's dressing with class. <laughs> <laughs> this is the way we used to dress when we caught a train, you know. <laughs> you would dress up for the train back then and have a five course dinner or
0: whatever, you know. It's funny. My dad still dresses up to go and see the doctor. You know, be sick, really, he'd be like, we'll make sure he's shirt tying and stuff, out of respect for the
1: doctor. You know, <laughs> like it's such a
0: nice thing that, that is you know so our good. generation
1: just don't think yeah. twice about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, it's uh, so it was cool, man. It was a that's that's what I'm that's the message I'm trying to get across with the show. I don't know if it'll hopefully it'll it'll be right, and I can do Sydney Comedy Festival and and Newcastle Comedy Festival, I, I don't know yet, but it's um, that you don't really need to go overseas to have an adventure or you don't need someone worldly, who cares, you know, people can go on Kentiki, still come back, they're still a dumb fuck, you know what <laughs> I mean, they've seen, they've seen the most beautiful things in the world. <laughs> but then I've got, I've, you know, yeah, um, I've done trips, you know, when my brother and I did the trip, in the, the terrible trip in this Hyundai hatchback, but that's all we talk about. We don't talk about the trips. where We're in a resort or whatever and just sat by the pool. We talk about this fucked journey we did. And I've got memories forever, and it's just so good. You know, I went to Mildura like this. It's got nothing going for it, this place. It's just out in the middle of nowhere. But it was so cool. People were so friendly. And and a guy took me four-wheel driving in his four-wheel drive, and, and I rode on a paddle steamer, and... Was was this still all in your tuxedo? All in my tuxedo. And I even did a um I even did a comedy set on the paddle steamer. <laughs> I did one oh, of Carl nice. Chandler's jokes. Uh yeah, from the Dum Dum Club. He tells his his favourite joke about the duck sandwich. And I did it and people were like, What the fuck is going on? But they all wanted to talk to me and they gave me a steer of the paddle steamer and I wouldn't have been able to do any of that without the tuxedo you know i would have just been another guy but there, it was it was, it was cool it was really i i did you do feel awkward I'll, you go through bouts of depression where you're just like i just wish people would stop staring at me or you know when i got off a, at griffith airport i got off the plane and you're just kind of on parade everyone is waiting for this one plane to get in <laughs> <laughs> so you're just on parade there's nothing else to do is there no nothing else so you're to just going to stare at the man in a tuxedo <laughs> exactly man yeah yeah it was like sometimes it was the worst stand up gigs ever you know, it, it yeah. strikes me as well that there's probably no one else in the world today
0: who has got as much value out of it you know most people mm. buy a tuxedo and yeah. they wear it once or, and then they go to wear it again and they're too big because <laughs> you know, yeah. it's been years since they wore it like you, you've really, yeah, stretched this tuxedo out. It's amazing. Oh man, you've, you've beaten capitalism. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you've won. Yeah.
1: Oh man, for sure. Yeah, because <laughs> it's so crap. Because they're not, they're not for travelling at all. You, you, they're, you're they're quite they're, impractical. They're just aren't they? used yeah. to just, you know, buddy looking like a wanker at a dinner party for a couple of hours. the, the, the it's you sweat real it's a different kind of sweat. You kind of, I don't know, you don't, the yeah, I don't know, it's like, a. It, it feels like a big kind of velvet sponge after a while, you know what I mean? It's just, yeah, it's horrible, horrible. And it's,
0: you even, you did this, uh, yeah. Russell Howard, the international comedian superstar was involved as well, wasn't he?
1: Yeah, yeah, we, um, we did a podcast, you know, in the Little Dum Dum Club and he was on it and they told him about the journey and he loved it. He's like, uh, let me just say, Russell Howard, one of the biggest comedians in the world, doesn't need to do anything like this, but he's like, he was just so interested in it, and he kept in contact after it, and said, "I will pay you five hundred pounds if you do it with your hair straightened." Now I know people, people listen to podcasts have got big curly hair, so I did. I got my hair straightened, and um, I thought he's not going to, he's not going to respond when once I get to London, but he was like yep i'll see you there but my hair had become curly again so i had to go to uh i forget where it was like hackney or somewhere and the only place that was open was this caribbean hair salon <laughs> and it was called lady glitter's caribbean hair salon <laughs> and i met lady glitter uh she was just like you know big caribbean lady she was so cool you know she had like eight kids Love to party. We're friends on Instagram now. <laughs> and she did the best job at straightening my hair. It looked beautiful. Um, I look like a freak. I look like a fucked Keith Urban or something like that, you know. <laughs> but then I went to we did the podcast and Russell Howard turned up and we did a big riff about pancakes and crepes or whatever. So you came in with a crepe and 500 pounds. Well, he had 200 pounds and then the rest was in like Emirates, the money that they use in emirates i don't know what it's called and i was like oh he's shafted me here or something he goes oh, i just had some spare change from when i went back from emirates so he but then i took it to the uh the money exchange and boy oh russell had made a real miscalculation <laughs> <laughs> it was a yeah it turned out a lot of money yeah I had a lot of money so it was incredible yeah oh, amazing yeah it was so cool he didn't need to take the time to do that and i think his girlfriend was was sick at the time in hospital but he recorded the podcast and yeah, he was just the coolest dude. Yeah, it's so cool. Someone at that level, you think, God, they must have so much on their plate. But no, he always made time. And so if you, yeah, for anyone who's listening to this podcast, listen to that episode with uh, me and Russell Howard on it because he is the king of the riff. Like such I a professional.
0: I'll put a link to it in the show yeah, so, yeah. uh, if you need if you'd like to listen to uh, Nick on that episode and might explain away some of the oh, what, man. What, like but also well done to you because you've this is your adventure. You didn't have to travel around the world no. in a tuxedo either. And that even the thought of this would make a lot of people anxious. Yeah. But you went and did it and you rode out all these, you know, what is common held you know notions of how people should dress and overrode that and you know got you know all these these doors did open for you and you saw a different sides of people that perhaps you wouldn't have seen
1: oh man i got friends for life there were these two farmers i met uh, muddy and killer and they both they wrote to me they were fans of the podcast and they said yeah when you come through dubbo come and stay at our place and you can drive one of our tractors Part of the way. See, I definitely would not have gone. So, <laughs> but, but, yeah, but you did. Yeah,
0: no friends for life.
1: Yeah, they're friends for life. Now they, um I went back out there. Uh, they organised a tour. They flew me up. We did three country gigs, and one of them starting stand up. And it was just like, oh, I couldn't believe it. I was just like, this is the best, you know. When the the guy, um, um, the guy who lent me the motorbike, yeah, he just contacted me on Facebook and said, "Hey, mate." um i saw you doing this part of the journey here what are you why don't you use my motorbike and i said oh great i'll see at your house and he lived in this like it's like five houses in this town sandy hollow and he goes i won't be there i'm on holiday just walk into the backyard pick it up and just ride it out wow (laughs) so i just walked in the backyard (laughs) with like muddy and killer these two guys by my side I must, must look like the most regal thief you've ever seen. <laughs> I, a mask. I, I keep forgetting that you're doing all of this in a tuxedo. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. so
0: mind-blowing.
1: So, yeah, man, I um jumped on the motorbike and I'm just flying down this road. And he said, oh, I just drop it off at my mate's pub. So I rode into the pub in, in Singleton. And the bloke said, yeah, just take it into the beer garden. So... I drove it. In, I rode it into the beer garden. People were like, "Oh man, James Bond's really let himself go. <laughs> He's put on a few kilos." <laughs> All these tradies are staring at me. I just a man in a tuxedo rides into the into the courtyard and just t- leaves the motorbike there. Just walks away. <laughs> just throws the keys at the, mm. the landlord, and that's it. Yeah. So yeah, it was crazy, man. It yeah. was. It was. It was. I would. Uh, that's what I'm trying to do. Like, yeah, people are going out to these country towns, helping out people who are doing the bushfires, but just go out there anyway. You, it's not paradise, but you'll always have a story. You'll always have a story. You know, I didn't know why people came out to Bumai. My uncle always came out. People from Sydney, friends for life. They always did this 10-hour drive to come out to Bumai, and it would rain, or there'd be too many flies, or they'd get their cars bogged in the mud, or it would be too hot. I remember one time we had a barbecue inside because it was too hot, <laughs> you know. And I was like, I would think as a kid, why do these people want to come back? But whenever we went up to Sydney and we stayed with them, that's all they talked about. They didn't talk about when they went to Fiji, or they talked about when they went out to Bumai, you know. And that's what I'm trying to get people to do is is yeah, do these adventures. Do you know? Don't dress. Maybe you can dress in a tuxedo if you want, but it's it, you'll have memories that last forever. You know, you'll meet so many people. Yeah. You you've cornered you don't go in a tuxedo, you've cornered yeah. Mark that's yeah, yours, yeah, yeah, now, yeah, nick. Yeah. Like no one can take that away from you now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Someone um did um Brett Blake and I and I hope to do it one day. Uh, where we travel in uh, <laughs> dressed as people from The Wizard of Oz, like <laughs> like a whole Tin Man suit
0: <laughs> or something. Uh, Brett, Brett Blake is also a comedian, isn't he? Yes. And it, he would make a good lion, I think. Yeah, 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 yeah. he would be a good he lion. <laughs> yeah, he's got a, a ready-made mullet. It's, it would fit very well.
1: Oh, man, yeah, and it's, uh, it is ridiculous because, yeah, I just did Adelaide Fringe, saw the flights were too expensive, and I realised the only way I can get back... Is to do the twelve-hour bus for sixty bucks, and I thought, oh yeah, to drum up publicity for the show, and it'll just be a cool adventure. And I did not want to do it because I'd been wearing the tuxedo for a week in Adelaide because I do it every night when I do the show. And plus, we my um, the guy who was kind of producing me, um, Jake from Good Chat Comedy, this great comedy club in Brisbane. He um, he rang around a heap of places like the Treetop uh, Zip Line and. And bounce that trampoline center, and people were like, "Yeah, come and do it in the tuxedo. We'll take some photos." So I was just stayed in this thing, and I just walked around Adelaide in it. So I did not want to get a bus in it, but I did, and it was horrible. Like it was so hot. And I did follow this on your oh, Instagram man. story, and it it did look
0: bleak, very yeah. horrendous, yeah. like just, yeah. and also quite quite scary as well. I and mean, we're, we're both grown men, but. Like, when you're in the middle of nowhere, on a bus, and you're in a tuxedo... Yeah. I mean, you, you do kind of... You would have been thinking, well, I don't know if I'm going to make it
1: all the way. Oh, man, exactly. There was a bloke walking around with a pickaxe and, and a metal detector in this town. And, and I, I was like, oh, God, people are crazy from this But then he got on the bus. The guy, he just... Yeah, it was just, yeah, a lot of, a lot of weirdos and... um but I'll talk about that forever. And also, I think sometimes when you do comedy, I've been doing comedy for 11 years, you forget you forget why you're funny. You forget, you, you save kind of the funny on stage. And lately I'm like, no, I want to live. I want to have stories. I want to, you know what I mean? Like I had a crazy life before I started comedy and it kind of ceased when you're just living in the city. So it was cool to, to do it again, you know, to have these stories, to tell my kids or tell my friends, you know, because my, my granddad was a traveller, my, my dad travelled, and my grandma, she did a round-the-world trip, uh, when, you know. She in was, a tuxedo. No, <laughs> 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 yeah, she was <laughs> they're like, first of all, a woman going around the world trip, and then dressing like a man. This, it blew everyone's minds <laughs> in the 1920s or whatever. Um, but, yeah, so, and I loved their stories, you know, I loved them. I loved hearing all of their stories. My, my, grand, my other grandpa, he was a policeman. And so he lived in all these shit towns like Mullumine and you know around Kunabarran and stuff. But they have all of these stories when they're they were broke and they play cards every night and you know they they had they had to milk a cow. But when everything works out for you, when you've got the house and the car and you've got comfort, you don't have any more good stories. Yeah. So so it's cool, man. It's great. It's
0: true. It's just dawned on me yeah. as well. The one thing worse than turning up to a a town dressed in a tuxedo is being dressed as a policeman. Yeah, yeah, that, like a, yeah, yeah. that particular fancy dress not always well received yeah. in
1: certain communities. So it's Ill- it's illegal to dress as a policeman, isn't it? It is. Yeah. Oh yeah. damn, that'd be cool. <laughs> <laughs> I do. It's my. Um. I would like to do it one day. Is because you see these cars on the side of the road for six hundred bucks or whatever. Still a few months, Regio. Have a thousand dollars in my pocket or whatever, just buy one of these cars and drive it. Yeah, so, see you know, how far you can yeah, get on a thousand dollars. Yeah, I tried yeah. to do it with this trip, you know, but uh, yeah, I, I couldn't find a, a car. Yeah, that was there was you'd, you'd always find ones that were too good, you know, like two grand, and one grand, or whatever. You know, <laughs> this is if you got anything that isn't yeah. as good, yeah,
0: that's the uh, yeah, the race to the bottom. Well, uh, Nick, choice four,
1: choice four, yeah. <laughs> Um, now this this is a hard one this is real hard because I do want to promote Australian craft beers but then also I've got I've got save my beers that because I come back from England I, my palate was good or whatever so I couldn't find anywhere in Sydney that had good beers only um, but they probably I don't know if they still exist was those Belgian beer cafes um, so you go there and you get these great, Belgian beers So I think It would have to be uh, La Chouffe I remember the dude Pulled it out Looked like a wine bottle Mm -hmm. This big beautiful wine bottle Poured it into one of those Great glasses they've got You know those Those crystal Not crystal Like a chalice Chalice Yeah. Yeah And it was amazing I remember taking my dad there Like Crazily expensive Like very expensive But the beers were strong And it tasted so good and um, it was hard to choose between this and Hogarden because I know Ho- Hogarden is mass-produced and all that. Mm. But I remember uh, I went back to work on the farm for a bit and I went to Moree, to the bottle And, yeah, all – you know, just had all the shitty beers that everyone drinks. And then it had this fucking – bottle of Hogarden Garden for like 50% off because no one touched it. <laughs> it had a fucking hole in the side, it had tape been, been taped up a few times, you know. And it was like 30 bucks for this for this case of Ho Garden, which is not a sessionable beer, but I didn't know how to drink beers back then, which ones sessionable, heavy ones or whatever. And I took it back and my dad and I just absolutely loved it. So, yeah, I think yeah, it's hard to say Le Sure for Ho Garden. Well, like really um well i think le chuff is uh they you know you can get it in a can now really half leaves a can i think in australia wow
0: it's not unbelievable
1: <laughs> and but that's a bit of a shame really because the whole experience was, you know having you know because these were four craft breweries or whatever yeah. you would went to the belgian beer, someone to have an apron they knew so much about the beers i was trying to get a job there mm. And um, yeah, the bloke pulled. I was like, "Man, what do you got for me?" And he pulled out this, and he put the two glasses on the counter. They'd just been washed, so the glasses were cold. Poured it like a fine wine. It was incredible. You know, that whole experience made the whole thing. I had a girlfriend once, and she lived in Belgium for a year, and she told me about it. And I didn't really grasp it until I was mm-hmm. like, "Oh, these people know how to drink beer," and it was cool. I went to Germany years later, and I uh, had some of those monk beers you know i think i had one of the world's oldest beers or something mm. and just the the way they serve it, it it's mm. all so i try to talk about that of my show when i travel through europe i remember i was on a train in in germany and i um i bought a i think it was an erdinger or something like that and even though they gave it to you in a plastic cup they made sure it was poured beautifully and the head was on it. You know, it was so different to Australia where you just get a fucking can thrown at you <laughs> and a four and twenty <laughs> pie. You know, here they had a nice chocolate and a little pastry to, to go and you are was just like, Oh wow, Europe is they know how to do things. You know, they know how to do things beautifully. So yeah, man, yeah, I'd say I'd say Le Chouf was that was that really turned my my beer palette around. I was like, Oh wow, this is this is real good, you know? Um, yeah, it was it was cool, and just did, my dad and I just love this case of Hogarden, you know. And I got it for like thirty bucks. You know, it was it was weird. You know, no one in Mori would ever touch it. You know,
0: I can imagine you know. it would have been <laughs> such a sea change from drinking whatever else was out because it, mm. it is significantly different. <laughs> it's cloudy, yeah. Lemon. Maybe it's relatively fresh as well, it's you know it's such a good experience. The Hogarden. yeah, oh but, man, yeah, and and the bottle shape as well. That's quite a nice, attractive. Uh, Nice little brown bottles they've got as well. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah,
1: great choice. Um, yeah. Choice five, choice five. Now this is this is hard. We're getting into some real, real hard territory here. Honorable mentions is going to go forever. <laughs> 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 but um, one beer I've really enjoyed lately. I mean, as I said before, I live next to McCoppins. It was recommended to me by the manager Dan, who's a good friend of mine. Um, is the Belching Beaver Peanut Butter Stout and it's just so good. It's it's amazing. It's so thick, yet yeah, so... It, but it's sweet, but not in a bad way. I can't tell you how good this beer is. It is incredible. And then I thought I'd take a chance. It was on special. The Belching Beaver Vanilla Milk Stout. Uh, no, Vanilla Milk IPA, I think it was. And um, it was incredible as well. I've been trying to get, get him to order it in since. And the funny thing is, is... Um, Sterling one of the guys who runs Bolter or part owns it or whatever. I went and I shot a commercial for them. And yeah, always been a huge fan of Bolter beer. Love it. Like I thought it was going to be a gimmick, but mm. when you meet Sterling which you probably probably have. I think did you do an episode with one of the brewers? With Scotty, yeah. Yeah, Scotty, yeah. that's right. Yeah, 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 the yeah. Head brewer. I haven't actually yeah.
0: met Sterling who's he's head of marketing there. Uh, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. And um and yeah, the the ads are incredible. Sterling wrote them, Partic- was, particularly the one that you're in. Yeah, yeah, they're real funny. Like, because <laughs> so, usually when you get an ad, you're like, oh, this isn't funny. And it was cool because I understood beers a little bit. You know, I I, I try to. I I'm mostly talking out of my ass, but <laughs> you're doing <laughs> but, a very good job, yeah, Nick. Yeah. You um, know your beer. Oh, that's, that's good. good. Yeah. Um, but um, but it was so cool because yeah, I knew the people that he was talking about. You know, high AVVs like these beer. And one of the people, you know, yeah, one of the ads is like, um, you know, whale jisms is in this beer, you know, and it's a, it's a double, double milk stout IPA or whatever, you know, and then I drank this belting beaver one and I thought, fuck, I am, the, I'm the dickhead now, like, <laughs> you know what I mean, like, <laughs> and, and I put it on Instagram, and I was like, I was just on an ad that took the piss out of these beers and, um sterling's like no no it's <laughs> it's not that it's we're taking the piss out of people to drink them yeah you, know, you know what i mean like they go on about it he goes it's not the beers they're great you know so i was like oh yeah that's true so um yeah man it was uh it was it was uh yeah this peanut this belgian beer one it's so good as much as i want to support australian breweries i've got to say it's it really knocked me over And to have a nice stout is like so good yeah. You know, because there's heaps, of so many good IPAs there. Yeah, but when you get a good stout, it's oh, it's mind blowing. Stout is underappreciated. Yeah, generally there's
0: a lot of misconceptions about stout. Um, but one of the difficulties of having a beer like that, and there's been many of them over the years. As soon as the you know you have like a peanut butter stout or something yeah, like yeah. that, is you think oh this is this going to be balanced? Is this going to be yeah. too sweet? Too, is it going to be drinkable? Because a lot of those I remember there's a brewery in the UK. Wells who do a banana bread beer, yeah, and it is sensate. Like you take the yeah. first mouthful, and it tastes like banana bread. Wow, wonderful! Four or five mouthfuls in, dreadful. Yeah, <laughs> because yeah, it's just yeah. too much of yeah of the one thing. Yeah, and so. I'm presuming that i haven 't ha- actually had this beer before, mm. but i 'm presuming that this you know you get to the bottom you want a second
1: yeah yeah man yeah, yeah it was it was great, and I think you i don 't know if you want to discuss it after the six or whatever, mm. but you said what you like to eat with mm. yeah let's you, do it now with, with the beer yeah. um yeah, the guys inmcopins they uh, they um said you should eat these chocolate coated pretzels and uh, i remember my my girlfriend and I were going through a bit of a Tough we had some tough things going on in our life. Um we just go to we go to the bottle, get like two cans of something really nice, like the peanut butter milk stout or I mean sorry, the peanut butter stout, um like the Belgian beaver or something from Ale Farm, something big, thick and heavy, and then we get a um yeah, a packet of chocolate coated pretzels <laughs> and we just watch David Chang uh series, you know, ugly delicious and stuff on Netflix, which are incredible. And that just got us through this hard time, and we loved it. We loved it. It was total vegging out, you know. We didn't achieve anything, but... <laughs> well, you you absolutely yeah, did. Yeah, we did, uh, yeah, You yeah. achieved, you
0: know, comfort and, and but calmness we, and... Um, yeah. And were you wearing your tuxedo while I <laughs> <laughs> I wish. Uh, yeah, so it was...
1: Just such a great time for us to we we often look back on that and go oh that was that was real good <laughs> yeah we're hoping to have yeah. some more difficult times yeah. ahead yeah. so we can <laughs> fall back on that brilliant plan um, yeah so that's that was a that's a real good beer I, I just love it and uh, stouts I remember one time we went to this there's this place near where my parents live uh, went to um, Deepwater right and it's this place in the middle of nowhere one to, one horse town and uh, I was there with a mate Carlo. And we, we're, I'm good friends with these guys who run a brewery out there called New England Brew Co. And they started a while back. They do great beers in this little town called Urala And they said, "You've got to try this this craft brewery in Deepwater." And we're like, "What? There's a craft brewery in Deepwater? No way!" Like, what? Went to the pub there. The pub was closed because they were doing renovations. But they said we're still selling s- selling beer out of the stables. So we walked <laughs> around the side. They had the horse stables with a couple of horses in it. And then this fucking bar. And the the labels were printed so badly on the on the beers, you know what I mean? You could tell some old guy had done it in Microsoft Word or whatever. <laughs> and then we had this Russian stout and it was like the best like stout I've had in years. Like it was so good. It was like nine percent or something. And we just couldn't get enough of it. Yeah. Yeah, Is this it was, choice six? Ah uh, no, no no, but but i was is that just saying honorable, honorable mention, honorable mention for yeah, sure, yeah, absolutely. I still don't know if they're professional, if they or if they're going anymore. <laughs> but yeah, that was good, but yeah, probably my choice six. Now this is so hard, so hard is um, uh, but probably the the uh, tall, tall boy and moose uh, uh, what is it oat milk IPA is so good, yeah yeah it's. And yeah, did you have that first at the tap room there in Preston? No, what? I haven't been there. I'll have to go there. Actually, yeah. I might go there tonight or something. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> um, yeah, I haven't been there, but um, I had they had a sour that was real good as well. But this beer is just so good. It's was this the the Pillow Talk? Was yeah, that, Pillow Talk. Yes. That's it. Yeah, that's it, yeah. man. Sorry, I should I should have done some research before, but <laughs> no, you did. Once again, like oh, just such a good beer. You know, um, just the flavors and everything, and how it does. Yeah, you know, it's hard to get creamy right so yeah. hard yeah i get it right you know so yeah
0: yeah it's a texture that we don't necessarily uh you don't necessarily look for in a beer yeah but when it's done well and the the, the the sense the sensation of the smoothness that, and, and also that lusciousness that it gives is really special and the can art on that
1: design was yeah was gr- really fun as well Oh man, that's that's the coolest thing ever, is yeah, my my girlfriend wasn't into craft beer at all, but now she's really into it and we follow all the illustrators on the cans. Mm. <laughs> we love it, you know. Um that's become part of it as well, you know. But yeah, that that beer is incredible, but get those big ones in the in the big cans there. Mm. I just love buying one of those. Like it's just especially when you get a good one, like I uh, I it almost got to ten but only because it's limited edition and you can't buy it anymore was Was uh, the Bolter um, vs Garage Project. That was so good. That was just an absolute belter of a beer. Those releases Bolter have done, you know, have have all been exceptionally solid beers, haven't they? Incredible. Yeah, the latest one. What is the one? Dimples. Dimples is. Oh, I had it last night, and that's why I'm feeling like shit today because I fucking necked about two of them. I was, was, you know. Um, Yeah, so that. Those get an honourable mention, the Bolter XPA. Once again, I thought it was going to be a gimmick, and no way. It blew it blew my head off. Like It was just so good. And yeah. it's a beer you can drink all the time. Yeah. And it's cool. If you go to some surf club in Burley or somewhere, it's cheap, like, at, on tap there. It was just, yeah. One, was only, I, I don't usually go over 20 bucks for a six-pack, mm. you know, I used to be a bit tight, but now I'm a change. But Bolter was the first one to kind of tip me over the line there. And when I found out the Stone and Wood Brewer guy got them to. You
0: know,
1: and his story. Yeah. How he won those awards. And he was like, a, "What was he a concreter or something?
0: Yeah, he was a concreter by trade. And and just, um, like, he he built that um, brewery from scratch. And fair play to the guys at yeah. Bolter. Yeah, yeah. They hired him and said on the basis that he could build yeah. this brewery from scratch. But kind of. A bit of pressure over your head when Oh man. Uh, I think they at that point they'd had investors um valuing um the business at around seventeen million dollars before they poured a beer. And so Jesus. When that's on your head, you do kind of wonder, you know, how how's this gonna play out? But Scotty is he just really loves what he does. It's he would brew for free in his spare time yeah. anyway. <laughs> and the fact that he's got this huge Brewery to play around in—that's um, probably belittling it yeah, a bit, but yeah. obviously. But he and even when I interviewed him, he showed up. He was covered in Malta, so and you just think this guy is leading by example. He's not there just kind of supervising. He's doing the hard yards and really uh, putting the hours in. So, yeah,
1: yeah. When when I like I didn't listen to all of it, but when I heard that, like the, I love guys like him that. You'll meet some craft brewer or something. and I don't know. They've got tattoos and a beard, and they'll talk all the bullshit and stuff. And they do an okay job or whatever, but they think they live for the beer. But, they don't. but then you've got a guy like that who's like, like a no bullshit guy mm-hmm. who just makes good beers and shuts up about it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's so cool. Like a you yep. need that part. It's like it's like ACDC. You know, <laughs> <laughs> they go, they're like, "Oh well, look, we're not gonna fuck around." You know, I'll, I'll go as far as a schoolboy suit, but real—I just want to play guitar real good, <laughs> and I just want to put it on a good show. You know, like, yeah. we don't want to write ballads. We just want to. F- we're not here to say a message. We're just here to fucking rock, and that's why they're the biggest success ever. You know, authenticity. Like, yeah. Yes. Honesty. Yes. Just yeah.
0: you know, doing doing things for the right reasons, and and then it all of a sudden it becomes very sustainable because. Yeah. You're not putting on an act, you're not putting on a show, you're just doing what you do really well, and uh, amazing as well, nobody saw the Gold Coast becoming the the beacon of craft beer that it has become, you know, if you had to pick an area of Australia where craft beer would take off in such a massive way, the Gold Coast probably wasn't it. Oh man, yeah, exactly. But
1: amazing that you can go there and... (laughs) I remember my dad, I mean my granddad used to make homebrew on the sunny coast, And he had because he used to live in Forbes, where it has good frost. It's a bit cold. Gets hot in the summer, but not. And um, but he used to hate the temperature because he couldn't really brew good beer there. You know, he Mm. had the homebrew kit um, because it was just too hot. So you think, God, how how can they do that in on the sunny coast? The odds are against you. You know. Yeah. (laughs) They make it so good. And uh, Sterling took me around the factory, and. I, I couldn't believe it. It was just so cool how, how they've they've started this thing and how they didn't want any gimmicks and yeah, like we just like we want to make the beer so good. I mean, sure it's got Mick Fanning's name behind it, but we want to back it up. To be able to do that is yeah. Mick Fanning was uh, never in any on uh, the cans. Yeah. His name yeah. was never on any of the you know. It's so Obviously, cool. he's
0: part of the search engine. Um, yeah, you know, yeah. you search his name, but you know, it was, they never use surf. It was. So you know, I think they've got four professional surfers involved from yeah. the start, and they never leveraged that. They, it was all about the beer, yeah. and I think that's a big lesson for any breweries up and coming as well. Is that you know you it's got to be about the beer first and foremost. Man, a lot of people get into it now and think they're going to be millionaires or get bought out. You will not
1: if it's not all about the product that you're selling, and you have to be a complete maniac <laughs> to own a craft beer like yeah. the stuff. <laughs> They're, like the, yeah, my friend who ran the New England brewery, how they opened, the apprentice opened their keg too early or something and it ruined all the beer or they had the, the microbes and the fungus wasn't right and it and it ruined another one. And oh, and they, they someone else told me, I think it was maybe still, that a cannery is a fucking nightmare. Like, and I looked at the machine and it was like so many moving parts. Like... <laughs> It's so expensive like, come, to buy. Coming well. from a farming background, like we used cotton pickers and they had so many moving parts. There was the cannering canning machine was <laughs> that looked like the closest thing to a a um yeah, a, a cotton picker. Just such a nightmare. So yeah, um but I don't know, yeah. Another another number ten I would put down is the um uh filter. Filter brewing, their IPA and their XPA are, Like, that isn't amazing beer i don't, I don't think go. they've put a foot wrong
0: the the red uh ale yeah. the yeah. um the hazy as yeah. well
1: uh troppo has recently come out i haven't tried that yet also good like yeah it's got that's got to be one of my favorites yeah. you know just I've, i love i've got all my kind of different tiers you know at i um of beers and like the the good mass-produced ones uh you know yeah probably my top three i'd say is like yeah filter stonewood and bolter you know like just, great go-to's, great yeah, fridge yeah, beers, yeah. great like oh, I can't make my mind up. I'll just go for this.
0: Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah just yeah. want be a beer.
1: Yeah, and it's yeah. so cool because when I feel like something more refreshing, I'll I'll have the Bolter, but or, or stone Wood or whatever. But when I want something with a bit of a head, a bit it's because the filter's almost creamy in a way. You know, it's, it's got this crazy head on it. It's just you have that, and you know, it's so good. You have that on in the in a winter or something or. Yeah, I mean, you still have it in the summer, but... Four and a
0: half percent as well, like, so yeah.
1: approachable compared with so many other beers, which are way way above five percent as well, so... Yeah.
0: Um, and a vessel to drink these yeah. beers out of?
1: Oh, a vessel. Um, man, do you know what? I don't really pay attention to it too much. <laughs> I um, As long as it's watertight. <laughs> I, went, I recently went, took my nano shopping at Westfield in Queensland, went this Indian shop, and there was a... Um, for some reason, there was this chalice with, like, a... A skeleton, and it was the ugliest cup I'd ever seen in my whole life. And I wish I'd bought it. <laughs> and that was the only thing I ever thought. Oh yeah, I'd drink a beer out of that, like this weird chalice. That was like a yeah, it was like a skeleton, and it had so much weird shit going on in this. <laughs> it <was the> ugliest <laughs> that,
0: that is going down as your chosen vessel, yeah, uh, yeah. something that you've never drank out of, out of yeah, yeah, and never yeah. owned. Yeah, yeah, so yeah that's yeah. perfect.
1: <laughs> I know money's been tight, well, especially now. But I was. You know, my, girl, my girlfriend hates it, but she also loves it when I do stupid shit. But I thought, oh, maybe a, a $25 chalice. <laughs> I thought, it's a great story, but, you know, yeah. <laughs> not really in the position to to do it. Um, yeah, so it was cool. Well, Nick, you know,
0: when I teed this podcast up with hmm. you, I was really excited that it would be a great opportunity for you to promote your show. But clearly that's not going ahead at the Melbourne Comedy Festival, but you do your own podcast? Yeah, the Phone, phone hacks. hacks. Yeah. It's Can you just tell us a, just a yeah. synopsis of what, because this is one of the most brutal podcasts It is around. So, tell So us many people come up to us and
1: they're like, how do you do <clears> it? Um, yeah, so basically uh, Mike Goldstein and I, uh, one of the most emotionless men on the planet. Um, <laughs> no, is good. Uh, we go through each other's phones. Um, we spin a, we spin a, a wheel to see what we go through, you know, photos, uh, draft tweets, notes, camera roll, sorry, camera roll, um, and Google search history, which is terrible because, God, oh. yeah, when you're a comedian out in the road, you Google a lot of, <laughs> a lot of <laughs> and, stuff. And you have guests come on, don't they? And yeah. you all have to switch your phone around we, to the next person. Oh, man, handing your phone over somebody, I still have, we're 200, we're, what, sorry, 100 episodes in yeah, and still handing my phone over to to a stranger is oh cuz you you forget about stuff <laughs> and it's horrible man oh, i can i still can't get over the anxiety so yeah then we do that and then we um have a, also have a spinning wheel at the end of the podcast where we can do a hack on each other so you can comment on someone's photo uh last time i got mike to comment on one of his friends photos from like 2017 this Just is a- the
0: most horrible thing this this deep dive oh, man. going back in Somebody's social media back yeah. to 2017 and yeah. commenting on a photograph.
1: Yeah, yeah, man. What did he? What? What was the? Um, and it was um. Why would you take this photo? It's not very good. <laughs> <laughs> and then she wrote, "Um, deep diving back to 2017. Hey, Mike, looks like comedy's not working out for you." <laughs> <laughs> so it was terrible. Yeah, you got. You know, you got. I recently had a text because my flatmate took a photo of me. Um, my pants had ripped, but also I had a hole in my undies as well. So it was like Inception, like two pants deep. You can see my balls. <laughs> and he got me to send that photo to my mum, going, "I need my pants fixed." Terrible! It's the worst podcast ever. So, yeah, each each day is is a real surprise. <laughs>
0: and as we mentioned, I'll put the link for phone hacks in the uh, in the show notes as well as long as well as the little dum dum club yeah, yeah, episode yeah. as well, so people can listen to that. Yeah. Um, but Nick, thanks so much.
1: Yeah, no Hello. worries. Thank you. I, Hopefully, I'll have some shows in Melbourne. I'll do the Tuxedo Traveler show sometime so Yeah, keep an ear for that. But yeah, man, it's such an honor to be uh, on a on a podcast that isn't well. It's kind of comedy. You're, yeah, you're, yeah, it's real funny. Actually, you're funnier <laughs> than most guests we get on the <laughs> show so. No, 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 not most but uh, yeah you, yeah it's good, it's good talking to someone outside of comedy because you yeah it's it's funny really comedians have got to be on all the time, you know, and there's no pressure yeah yeah absolutely, yeah. so yeah, thank you so much and uh yeah thanks, thanks to everybody who makes all these good beers so good yeah I, I, I special shout out also to um uh I had this lager ages ago, and it nearly got in the top ten, and I don't usually promote a lager, but I remember I was at this bar in maybe been there in Carlton um i forget what it's called like swifties or something i don't know what it's called this little bar but i had a hargraves hill lager and it was so good you know that i, I had to give a special shout out there because i know i know one of the guys at hargraves hill and it was yeah and um there was like probably the best lager i've ever had that one yeah usually wow. don't have a good lager
0: yeah i haven't had that one yeah yeah it's a lookout. i don't know if they still make it yeah but
1: it was so good um yeah and I was trying to think of, I thought of some other weird beer but I, I can't remember what it was anyway but yeah but yeah thanks for having me on man so yeah, good absolutely. yeah absolutely
0: and also uh, you're very active on Instagram as well I'll put the link in the show notes for your Instagram and you do lots of inter-stories involving beer as well so that's uh, always entertaining to watch oh it's such a bloody curse I must spend
1: like a hundred bucks a week on, <laughs> on beers because <laughs> you, you buy a $10 one here and there and yeah I've now, now got a I got, it's the first time I've lived in a nice place like, it's still a share house, but it's really nice. So we got the record player. Uh, we cook some food. And then we just chill out with a beer. There's nothing better. Like, put the Melvins on while you're listening. Or, <laughs> you know, while you're drinking a bloody Pillow Talk IPA. oh, man, it's the best. <laughs> it's happiness. Yeah. encapsulated <laughs>
0: Thanks so much, Nick. Thank Brilliant. you, man. Thank you. So that was it. Nick Kappa. If you have a look through the show notes on whatever device you're listening, I've put in links to lots of different uh, things that we spoke about during the show. If you'd like to listen to the little Dum Dum Club that was mentioned a few times or Phone Hacks. And there was a few other things as well that we mentioned it in there. Nick has also obviously all the comedians have had their shows cancelled for the Melbourne International Comedy Festival. I've put a link uh, for Nick's show that he's recorded before the Comedy Festival. It's a 55-minute special. Um, It's for sale for $7.99. Well worth it. He's a really outstanding comedian and I think we're going to see much more of him in the future as well. And so passionate about beer as well. You can tell the way he talks about it, how much he enjoys it. And so comedians are in a bind at the moment because outlays have been a lot and often the Melbourne International Comedy Festival is a huge part of a comedian's income so if we can support um, people beyond the beer industry as well uh, where possible that would be fantastic so the link is in the show notes as well and you'll find a few other things in there. And if you're a new listener to the Chosen Brew Beer Podcast from Phone Hacks uh, or from the Little Dum Dum Club, uh, thanks so much for listening. You made it. I mean, there was a bit of uh, beer nerd talk in there and beer specific things. But look, I hope it makes you think about the next time you, you buy a beer, get an independent one, get a local one, um, be like Nick Capper. Uh, <laughs> maybe go and buy, go to the bottle shop in your tuxedo. There's possibilities are endless. And certainly if you are new to Chosen Brew podcasts, please uh, get in touch with me on At The Chosen Brew through Twitter, Facebook, uh, Instagram, and tell me what you thought of the podcast. Uh, Only nice things. I don't don't want any actual useful critical feedback. Just just nice things. Um, We're all fragile at this moment. So let's be kind. You might also be interested to listen uh, to my other podcast which is called the wheel of sport the greatest sports stories ever told which does have a wheel that we spin uh just like phone hacks podcast now the phone hacks podcast was set up about a month after the wheel of sport podcast now i'm not saying phone hacks stole the idea of a wheel in the podcast but you know it does seem a little bit too close uh, for coincidence but we'll uh i'll let that one slip um find that in the show notes as well if you are a rusted on die-hard, chosen brew beer podcast listener thanks again for joining us and it's just great to talk beer let's keep doing it i'll keep putting the episodes out leave a review send me a message keep filling up that well of kindness and uh thanks so much for listening and we'll speak soon